Welcome to Sword and Shield, the official podcast of the 960th Cyberspace Wing. Join us for insight, knowledge, mentorship, and some fun as we discuss relevant topics in and around our wing. Please understand that the views expressed in this podcast are not necessarily the views of the U.S. Air Force nor the Air Force Reserve, and no endorsement of any particular person or business is ever intended. Welcome to another episode of the Sword and Shield. I am uh, Chief Chris Howard, 960th COG Superintendent, and today with me I have... Captain Jamila Gonzalez, 960th Cyber Wing Executive Officer. Good morning, ma'am. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Thank you. Awesome. No, I appreciate you uh, sitting down and uh, talking with us today. Uh, the challenge today is kind of talking about um, how we both uh, got into the positions we're currently in and what, what choices we made and what, uh, what pathway we took. So I was wondering if you kind of um, could share with me, uh, how did you start off in the military? Yeah, definitely. Um, I started off 18 years old, about six months after graduating from high school, um, living in the Bay Area of California. Okay. And uh, introduced uh, to the military through a, a, fun, a family member of mine, an uncle of mine had been in the in the Air Force. And I actually think he was in uh, communications because he talked about working on satellites. Okay. Satellite dishes? Yes. Okay. And so kind of, you know, just a little bit of a discussion uh, and just kind of said, you know, maybe the Air Force is something you'd like to do. So I had initially um, gone to look at uh, the Coast Guard. Okay. And even the Coast Guard recruiter, you know, actually told my mom, hey, if, if, if she was uh, my daughter, I would have her go into the Air Force. And so even though I had kind of gone one route, I also had a family member uh, kind of say, hey, maybe you want to try Air Force. And so that was kind of how I got introduced to it. I went into the delayed enlistment program okay. um, and knew that, you know, about before I graduated high school, that, that was a route I was going to take. So that was kind of how I came in and some of the background that kind of brought me into okay. into. What was your first uh, AFSC then, or your job? Yeah, so my first AFSC, I think now it's called survival equipment, but at the time it was uh, air crew life support. Okay. And so I had come in, um, I think it's called a general, open general. Mm -hmm. So it was just rolling the dice and <laughs> see what was going to happen. So right. that was, I think, a recruiter tactic. I don't know. <laughs> gotcha. But uh, I wasn't sure, uh, you know, what was going to happen. I think I found out. I think the day when you go to MEPS, I think, is when they say, hey, this is what's available. And then later right. on, you kind of get the, the AFSC. I don't remember if it was boot camps. It was almost September will be 20 years uh, oh. since I joined. So I joined uh, September 5th, 2001. Okay. So wow. just to kind of, you know, right. simmering on that. So were I you do, in basic during 9-11? I was in basic during 9-11. Oh, wow. And I remember when I joined the Air Force, I said, Mom, you have nothing to worry about. No one is going to mess with the United States of America. Right. I remember just thinking, you know, this, I'm good. Yeah. And uh, just a few days later. And just a few days later, it was the whole lockdown and boot camp. And, and I will tell you, my first thought was, this can't be real. Yeah. This is testing our what are we going to do when we're told that our nation is under attack? That right. was like my initial thought. I don't know why. I don't know if other people, you know, thought that way. But it was, hey, this is a no kidding. How are you going to react? Yeah. Um. So it took me a little bit to believe it. And they put the whole screens up and, and you know, really said, hey, 
those that have family members, um, you could call your family because there was there was members that did have uh, right. family members in the Twin Towers, you know. So right. so that was my initial, I would say, first week of uh, Air Force experience. Wow. And uh, from basic, you went on to tech school. And then what was your first duty station like? Um, my first duty station was Mildenhall, uh, England. So it was uh, dorms uh, that first, I think, year and a half or so. Okay. So just uh, pat on the back from my mom, say, hey, everything's going to be okay. You're going to love it overseas. You know, it's going to be great. But it had been since, um, you know, 9-11 had happened earlier. Right. So it was kind of uh, the lockdown type of thing, very, you know, strict on who was coming on base. So I would hear the stories of, hey, the base used to be open and everyone right. used to come and go to the club. And now, you know, it was kind of, if you don't have an ID card, you're not welcome. <laughs> right. Yeah, much different, uh, especially uh, overseas after uh 9-11, that's for sure. Um, so how many years did you do um, REGAF? So I did um, I did the full four years of REGAF, and okay. I did uh, all of them uh, overseas. And okay. then I came back stateside and uh, and transitioned into the reserve. Okay. So kind of thought, thinking about, you know, how I got here, it was just kind of the, the active duty um and I, I did the the joint spouse and it was I had a I had a young child by the by the time I was done with my four years. And it was okay. kind of the, hey, what do I want to see um, as a future for how the you know, how you're going to raise children and how you're going to be in a relationship. And right. so that's kind of, you know, when we think about how we got here and the decisions that we make and how they go, hey, REGAF or reserve. And I've been TR and civilian. Right. It just kind of it does. um as we try to stay as professional and in, in all the things that we discuss, there's always that that personal part that kind of drives different decisions right. um, along the way. No, definitely. Right. So, I mean, I, I came in in uh, the mid to late 90s, well before 9-11. Right. Uh, and uh, at the time, right, everybody was like, uh, I'm just joining for, for college. Uh, I knew a while back uh, that I was going to go in the military. Originally, I was planning on uh, joining the Marine Corps, actually. And uh, I had gone to the recruiter, the Marine recruiter at one of these fairs. I'm like, I want to be a devil dog, right? I, I want to be a Marine. And I gave him my number and said, you know, I really, really want to be a Marine. Um, didn't call me. First time I got stood up. So, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, and, uh, but I took the ASVAB, everything. And this is like my junior year of high school. I get a phone call from uh, the Air Force recruiter, Al Daniels. I still remember him. Good friend of mine. Uh, he's like, Hey, Chris, got your, uh, your scores here. You give me any job you want. Really? Okay. So I ran right down there. Right. Uh, and I signed up that day and I had to, to get uh, parent, uh, approval because I was, uh, under, uh, underage. And so I, I got my, uh, got my mom to sign pretty quick. And then I called my dad and dad's like, are you sure? I'm like, all right. That was, the, that was a conversation, right? <laughs> parents are like, here, you gotta, you gotta plan and go, go, go forth. And uh, I was in delayed entry for, um, a little over a year, of course, they had to change some dates to to to, to align, right? Because you can only be in uh, in the debt program for a year. Uh, actually, I helped out my recruiter on a number of times. Was a, a debt uh, commander for a little bit, and then uh, right after uh, high school, jumped right into uh, basic training. And uh, we had the uh, uh, I was in um, basic training when the bomb went off uh, for uh, the Atlanta. Olympics, right? So, you know, get a little bit of that. Didn't even know about it. It was a, one of those interesting items in tech school and then on to uh, my first duty station at Ramstein. And uh, I was at Ramstein for uh, 
my first tour, did an in-place COT for my second tour. And that's when, uh, you know, 9-11 happened. I was, um, I actually had orders to go to uh, PSAB. I was supposed to fly out that day uh, and deploy. So kind of changed a lot of things up. Uh, actually uh, trying to get on base uh, the next day after, or I was in the location. I was in our, in our bunker uh, at, at uh, my first uh, duty station. So my first AFSC, my, well, actually, my only AFSC really is, uh, was a 2E1, which was, uh, uh, at the time, satellite uh, communications. And uh, I worked, uh, actually, radio relay throughout uh, Europe work. And we had a, um, a secured building that we were in working at. And we were briefing, a, uh, I think it was a two-star general, uh, when things were, were starting to go down. Uh, and uh, we're watching the news and... And we were actually, someone said, hey, hey, something, something hit one of the towers. And we turned on new, the Fox News. And then we, we were actually standing there with the, the general one second at second hit. He's like, okay, this is not good. And then we're watching it as things unfold. And when the Pentagon hit, they just kind of went, you know, uh, back crazy. Right. Mm-hmm. So uh, we locked down the facility. Mm-hmm. We locked down the base. Uh, everybody got hunkered down. Right. We started running through all of our checklist, uh, going through, uh, Threat cons at the time it was not <laughs> back then, right? And uh, walked through that, but uh, it was a crazy, crazy time. Uh, got picked up for a special duty out of there shortly after that, uh, and then I moved on to uh, flying as a special duty uh, with the with my career field, which was pretty neat. Got to do a lot of crazy things. Post nine eleven, we did a lot of different types of missions, um, and then uh, picked up another job going into space uh systems and then just kind of really fell in behind the, the green door for a while with that one and then uh after about six years total of being gone 190 days plus uh, i had to make the decision right so um <clears throat> was gonna lo- time i had uh wife and kids and i was gonna lose them so i had to make the uh, the change and make that adjustment to, to be uh going to the reserves Yeah. So one of the things that you mentioned that got me thinking is just about education and how sometimes it kind of drives some of those decisions. I've definitely met and and, um, understood uh, one of the benefits of of education. So um, one of the things that I did do, you know, when I was overseas and kind of got me to um, getting my degree was, hey, school was important coming up. It was one of the the primary things that my mom always emphasized to me. Right. And so I, when I was in Mildenhall, I did my school. Um, I was on the 10-year plan to a bachelor's, and I think it ended up being like a five-year plan uh, right. eventually to a master's. Uh, but it was definitely living life, doing those transitions, active duty to reserve, TR, art, right. uh, you know, straight civilian, but always um, looking at that that education, what was the next, what was the next step? What, what things did I have to manage and balance in my life, a kid, a, you know, a family, a career right. an education. And so you just kind of got me thinking to, well, how did I get where I am? Well, one of the steps was, you know, even though I was the 10 year plan to the bachelor's when I got it, when the opportunity presented itself to consider, you know, do I do the AFOQT? Right. Do I um, start again? And, you know, I was on a path where, um, I was full-time employed as an air reserve technician and just kind of those decisions of what sacrifices am I going to have to make, uh, right. in my career to maybe pursue another option. Right. Well, I was kind of hoping you could walk us through. So you came off a of reg after you decided to go in the reserves. What was that, uh, that first reserve, uh, 
you know, assignment like? Yeah. So I, I came out and I uh, met with a recruiter. I went first um, a, a short time IRR. Okay. Um, just trying to think sometimes when you have a small, you know, a new family and, right. you know, what it, what is that going to look like? So went into the recruiter uh, and cross-trained into education and training. Okay. And um, got a unit out in Moreno Valley and was living in Las Vegas. And they used to do a rotator that would take you okay. out there. Uh, so I started off as education training and was in a maintenance squadron uh, and, and had a wonderful supervisor. I think it was um, a really good turning point to where I had had different type of supervision when I was um, active duty right. and uh, was looking for um, kind of that mentorship and and support as I, you know, as you navigate the right. um, the new career choices. And so. Went into education and training and did that and then eventually ended up in um, Colorado Springs and cross-trained again into personnel. Okay. Um, just kind of fitted. I was working within the FSS doing um, education and training okay. and they had a need for personnel. And they said, hey, you have a really transferable skill. We see that you're you're jobbing it up. You're in here, you know, trying to get all these things situated uh, yeah. with the training records, which was at the time when they were transitioning from the paper copies to the electronic. Um, so just kind of having those those individuals give you the opportunities to kind of see what what your next step can be, where the needs are, and then just kind of falling in with that, just saying, hey, is this, if it's going to take me cross training, then you right. know, let's do it. Yeah. So you cross train, and then uh, we'll let you to. Uh Go ahead and uh, off-ramp your enlisted career and go uh, down the officer track. Yeah, I think uh, at the time I was a, a career advisor. Okay. So I had gone into career advising. I was advising people all day long on, hey, this, the reserve is great. Your opportunities are great. These are all the benefits that you have. This is maybe a good decision you want to make in your life uh, to keep pursuing something more, staying in the military. Right. And so I think it just led me to the environment was like, well, you're supposed to be looking at your goals and what you can do and what you can right. achieve. And so I was at about that 12 year point. Uh, and so had, yeah, I think I was right about 12 years. And so just taking my own advice. Gotcha. <laughs> hey, you got your degree now. What so are the, the next steps? The advice you got worked <laughs> is what I'm hearing. <laughs> That's what you're Okay. So listen to the advisor. <laughs> listen to the advisors. Okay. Yeah. Listen to, to the people that are, you know, guiding you and saying, hey, Take that next step. Sometimes it's going to be, you know, maybe from a full time to a TR and just I guess it's uh, one of the things that has always um, made me an advocate for the reserve is that you can really balance your life and kind of go these different statuses um, right. to really suit maybe the, the changes that are going on in your personal professional. Right. Career. No. Yeah. When I transitioned uh, off of RegF and uh I was lucky enough that uh, the personal network helped me find a reserve job. It was actually my active duty commander called a reserve commander he knew and said, you need to take this guy like tomorrow. So that's what got me uh, into the reserve unit that I started off with, uh, which helped out a lot. And I was going to school full time. And then I started running, building my own business um, while doing that and, and kept me going. But uh, I was asked to be a first sergeant. So I was a first sergeant for, for a few years and then, uh, after uh, a few more things going on in my personal life, uh, I found an opportunity opened up for the AGR program. Um, so I took off the diamond, went into an AGR position as a, as a flight chief and uh, worked my way up to, all the way to squadron superintendent um, before um, in that unit before coming down here to Texas and, and finding another squadron superintendent where I was asked to uh, 
you know, consider uh, being a group superintendent. Well, there, there you go. Right. <laughs> so, um, but I, I wanted to kind of flesh out uh, the point I think you were making with uh, the cross training and the different jobs. Right. So it wasn't necessarily each position was always what led us there. Right. It was um, the professionalism. It was the ability um, and the additional duties that, that were put on us that, that we constantly proved um, our worth. Right. Improved our capability so that um or give them more opportunity. And each one of those opportunities led to one more opportunity, which follows the next opportunity um, to uh, to success, where uh, the rumor is that uh, Chief Bischoff kicked you in the backside <laughs> to get you to apply for the uh, uh, the officer position. Is that true? Yes, uh, I would say the other portion too, right? So while I was career advising, when we talk right. about dual hatting, like mm -hmm. you're currently doing, right. I was dual hatting as the uh, command chief exec and he was right. the the group superintendent and, and command chief. And so there I was, you know, just working with him, getting everything lined up for the things that he was doing. And, and um, he was in that role where it was like, hey, let's get those folks that we need to take that next step and yeah. to consider it. And at the time, the deserving uh, airman program and, right. and it was, Hey, you're doing great work here. You know, maybe this is something that you should really, you know, look into and, right. and the chips will, will land where they may, but you should definitely take the, take right. the opportunity. No, and that, that kind of leads me to the, another point, right. As supervisors, it's, you know, sometimes uh, our airmen, don't necessarily see the same things we see in them, right? So we see a lot of potential, right? After being in leadership roles or being in as long as uh, you and I have, uh, we see all kinds of airmen come and go. And we see some of those attributes that are out there. And then just kind of having that airman believe in themselves and, and take that chance, right? Um, giving them that opportunity to, to step forward. Um, and that's really something I'd, I'd like to hit on is when giving that opportunity it's what you make of it, right? Um, more often than not, somebody in leadership said, hey, take this on. I, I want to see where you're going to go with it because I think that you can do something different. I think you can do something good with this. Um, and then making the most of each one of those opportunities and gaining speed on that, right? Right. Absolutely. Uh, I think, you know, getting to like, well, how, how I got here and how I'm here now, I think that also brings me to, again, like that family uh, portion. So mm -hmm. um, my husband is, in the guard. And so, um, looking for, he advanced with an opportunity here in the area and then just, um, started off with something that was kind of temporary right. and then, um, moved into something that was permanent as a, as an AGR. Right. And then again, being in that, that part where I had to reflect on, okay, I have something secure where we currently are. Yep. What is it going to take to now make a decision that would possibly, you know, be best for the family and still continue um, advancing and, and doing mm -hmm. things in my career that um, where I can learn something new. Right. And uh, so, you know, how I got here now is kind of, hey, I had a my spouse and he was, you know, looking for some other opportunities also to grow. Right. And then taking, again, that leap of faith of, hey, I was in a full time position and I transitioned into a traditional reserve uh, position right. and eventually um ended up in, in what's now an AGR position. Yeah. And so that brought me into a new status uh, for the first time. So, Yeah, no, as a reservist, I, I, let's see, I'm, I've been to, let's see, one, two, I'm on my fourth base as a reservist. 
right? In, in different states even, <laughs> right? Uh, it, it, it's almost, it mirrors uh, my REGAF uh, experience, but uh, I started out in a number of different GSUs, right? So that, that did, and I've been to a part of a couple of different wings, um, but it was always, you know, trying to jump in there, find uh, find that space that uh, you can grow in and, and take the opportunities as they came. Um, I can't say that every assignment was perfect, right? Uh, I know that one assignment was very challenging for me. It uh, it's uh, something that helped them, right? Helped me grow. Where I had some issues with uh, with my supervision at the time, um, but was able to work through it with them in some cases, and uh, other cases that was just one of those relationships where I had to find a different type of opportunity. Uh, but uh, was it? Uh, what I'm getting at is it wasn't easy, right? Would you argue that uh, it's been an easy easy pathway for you? Yeah, no, I would say um, it hasn't always it hasn't always been easy, uh, but I will say that I think the advice that I've always received is, hey, when when you're having difficulties in that communication, maybe with the supervision, um, right. just remember that that this circumstance it's temporary. Don't lose sight of the goals that you know you're trying to accomplish. Let's say right. you know the work is challenging or the leadership is challenging. This position has presented, you know, many, many challenges uh, that I, I never, you know, I never expected, right. you know, um, but still I've been able to like continue to do my PME and mm-hmm. just kind of having that, that mindset of this, um, it's going to be difficult. Just keep going down the path. If right. life were easy, if, you know, being in leadership was easy, <laughs> Right. You know, everyone would sign up and everyone would be doing great at it. And right. so just that realization that that it's not and you just have to take feedback from from every angle that you can get it and, and ask for it, too. Right. There's two points that you've made that uh, I think that you really got to highlight. Right. It's um, that education piece. And then when you're talking about the PME piece. Right. Um, both of those points are go to uh, when you have the time and you have the capability um, set yourself forward, right? Go ahead and knock these things out, right? Anytime uh, when it comes to promotion, being promotion ready, um, it's uh, A, what's what's the paperwork look like, right? It's the boxes that have to be checked. Are you up to date in your education for PME? Are you um, up to date with your skill level? Are you up to date with your, your career? Are you ready to go? Um, and then on top of that, the opportunities we discussed, um, are you making the most of those opportunities? Are you showing your, that you're capable? Are you exuding um, those those attributes required for promotion and required for uh, the next opportunity, right? Um, not that you're box checking out, that you're hunting for, for rank or anything like that, but are you making the most of the opportunities? Are you setting yourself up for success? Um, do you have everything knocked out? Because you could, you could be killing it, right? And not have a mandatory uh, item worked off for you or uh, being ready for promotion. So those things, those things matter too, right? I've known a couple of individuals who were great at the job, but just uh, didn't hit all the marks because they didn't have everything done. And that slowed them down or made them miss an opportunity. So always be ready for the opportunity and take the most of it. You never know where it's gonna lead. I know when I came in the reserves, I was, I was like, look, I'm gonna make master. And that, that's a big thing, right? So a lot of my mentors at that time had just, you know, retired, right? The master, I was like, so that's a, that's a, that's a benchmark, right? I want to put that diamond on to be a shirt. I was like, you know what? I could, I could retire as a shirt. I think I could 
could do this. But every time there was another opportunity that, that stepped forward, it's like, okay, look, you're doing well here. We want to give you this other piece. What can you do with this? Um, and that's what kind of led me here to where I am today. And I see this same thing. And that's what I love about my vector coming in is um, going back to the problems that we have with supervision and communication was when it was looking dark, when it looked like it wasn't going to work out, like, oh, no, this is how my career is going to end. And I'm going to be so angry and bitter. Um, I had a mentor step in and say, hey, look at it this way. Hey, look at this other opportunity. Uh, we know that you're capable here. And then making the most of it, not letting that one moment define uh, either me, my career or my experience. What about you, man? Uh, when you think, when I think about, you know, the, again, going back to the, how I got here and what was right. it, I think it's exactly like you said is um, in a sense, I've always tried to surround myself with those that I see are making good decisions for themselves right. and remembering that uh, we are um, impacted by those that we surround ourselves with. Right. And so uh, being, so, being selective in, in that regard has been something that I think has also played a factor in, in the decisions that I've made and kind of how I've pursued is, Hey, um, there's going to be good people around. There's going to be bad people around. You make the decision where, <laughs> where you hang around and, and right. what you listen to. Uh, and, and, and remembering that, yeah, like I said, it's, it's not always going to be easy and, no. and, and the whole balancing also the part of, of family and remembering that this isn't the only thing too. So when you do, you know, when I have had to step back or when I looked at pursuing other opportunities, sometimes it was to what is going to be, provide the best, you know, stability, stability maybe that I needed at that time for the, for, for the family. That's some great points, man. Did you have any parting words for our gladiators out there? Any, any words of wisdom that you want to share? I would say first and foremost, uh, education. Okay. Definitely. I'm a firm believer. It doesn't have to be, you know, degrees, but just education, just knowing more tomorrow than what you need today is just something that's so valuable and, and keeps that um, what we hear about that growth mindset in right. ourselves that we're never done uh, learning and having the ability to, to try something new and, and face a new challenge. Right. Now, life is a, a learning process, right? Long time Absolutely. learning process. Um, and I definitely would uh, would say that uh, even when you feel like you're you're misstepping, if you take a deep breath, find a good mentor, um, look at take a step back, look at the situation. More often than not, you can find either a uh, pathway around that problem, uh, find a solution to the problem, uh, and then get to uh, really where you want to be. Right, um, and then grabbing every opportunity and making the most of it. Um, you might not always get to the destination you're looking for. But uh, the journey itself uh, can be exciting. Absolutely. That, I want to tell all the gladiators, have a uh, wonderful day. Thank you for everything you do. And until uh, next time.